Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, we find out how close the Blue Jays were to signing free agent Liam Hendricks. We both have very fond memories of being there. Obviously, we both love, Christy and I both love the uh, the powder blue uniforms, which just adds a little bit of a different and unique style on it. But uh, no, it was, they were definitely in towards the end. And that's just, uh, it ended up being the White Sox prevail. And now, a man who was also on the verge of signing with the blue team. Oh, man. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I can't even make a joke. There's no way a baseball team would ever have signed you as a player. <laughs> um, Fantasy camp, pal. Fantasy camp. <laughs> I Come stand on. corrected. I'm so sorry. Oh, Are you going to introduce me or what? what? Okay, and here's the water boy, <laughs> Barry Davis. I even failed at my one attempt at being a water boy many oh, years dear. ago in high school. I may have to explain that one. I may have Please to share do. that one. Hey, how about how about uh, a future Ask Barry Davis? Uh, anyone listening who wants to know the story about how I failed as a water boy, uh, submit it to uh, hashtag Ask Barry Davis. How about that? So, I love it. Uh, we are going down under uh, via uh, Florida. So uh, <laughs> Liam Hendricks joins us, no longer a resident of the lovely country and continent of Australia. Uh, he is now living in Florida, where it's sunny and warm. And he's going to tell us about his new deal with the Chicago White Sox, how close the Blue Jays came to signing him. And uh, we're going to look back at some great memories and find out why it is that Liam Hendricks does not drink alcohol. Yeah, and you know what? It was a surprising story that neither of us really knew uh, why. I, I know you knew he, he didn't drink, but you didn't understand why. And there is quite the, the story there. He's healthy and he's good, but yeah, it's coming up in the interview. There, there you go. Uh, we will also have Asbury Davis, and we do have some questions. We will talk to Raj Sapaya uh, about an injury to uh, Kyle Lowry, which he suffered. Mm -hmm. We'll find out about that. And up next, well... The Blue Jays finally dug deep and cashed in. We'll talk about that and share a very cool thing that is happening now on Out of the Park. There's Tom. I'm Barry. This is OTP. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And the first pitch is brought to you by Ballistic Sports. And I told you last week I was going to talk to Don Corby and get an update. Don Corby is the one who heads up yep. Ballistic Sports and these wonderful games that will eventually be released to the public, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, here is what Don has told us, that uh, because of COVID, as with everything in life, <laughs> uh, things running behind what we were hoping, investors slower to part with their money, of course, due to the uncertain times. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be tough until COVID does end. But once they start to ease the restrictions, they plan to go out, get the ball rolling a little faster. So this is good news, and hopefully we'll get these uh, wonderful games out to you very soon, Tom. Beautiful. All right. You know what? It's it's the old COVID story, right? Hurry up and wait. Let's be patient. They're coming. I can't wait to play them when they get here. And speaking of patient, Tom, as we continue to move forward with Out of the Park, we, we learn uh, new things, technology, different ways mm -hmm. to make the show better and more entertaining. And as many of you know, we introduced Zoom uh, about a month or so ago. Yep. And actually, the first player that we Zoomed, believe it or not, was Brett Cecil. But I didn't know how to record it properly, so we didn't get Brett Cecil. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've had a number of players that we've had Zoom with, including Jason Grilly, who took us around his 
his house and showed yep. us all the paraphernalia. Uh, we had John Gibbons and his daughter, Jordan, mm -hmm. joining us. And, and, I mean, just to watch Gibby lying back on the chair is, is you know, worth the price of admission. <laughs> and uh, these full-length, uncut interviews, including one with Kelly Gruber, which was very interesting as well, yeah. uh, they all go up on our members page, which is on patreon.com slash out of the park. And for as little as $3 a month, it's U.S., but, you know, not much we can do about that. Yep. But you can access all these videos. And if that weren't enough, Tom, mm -hmm. if that weren't enough, on next week's Out of the Park, I'm not going to give away. Well, I think most of you know that we're, we'll be talking with Joe Biagini. So there you go. There but we go. Yep. <laughs> not only will there be video of Joe Biagini, but what our members get to do. And this was our first time. This was our experiment. And we only limited it to four members. Mm -hmm. And the four members we chose were able to sit in. With the Joe Biagini chat, they were be they were able to ask questions to Joe personally, yep. and interact with Joe. And uh, as you'll find out next Saturday, one very big Joe Biagini fan uh, was absolutely floored when she saw that Joe still had something that she gave she made for him. Yeah, it's this is this is much much must see TV. And mm -hmm. if you're not a member and you want to get in on this, this is a no one else is doing this, folks. No one else is giving you the opportunity to sit in on a Zoom with one of your favorite Major League ball players and be able to just chat with them. Yeah, and we're going to be doing it every week. And here's the real first pitch. Three bucks a month gets you that. Exactly. Patreon.com slash out of the park. And you know what? Uh, I was blown away. I, I can't wait for next week till we share, share this with everybody. And I can't wait for the next one now. This is a this was a really cool experience. We had some amazing people on. All their questions, their questions. Joe Biagini says, <laughs> very right up front. Their questions were better than ours. Yeah, and and ours were pretty good. I'm not even slagging us, but our members are are amazing. They're they're really big baseball fans, and it's such a cool first show. I can't wait for the next one. I agree with you 100. percent The other thing that I can't wait for, and I think that I am not alone in that fact now, is that that Toronto Blue Jays' disastrous offseason <laughs> uh, has taken a turn for the better. And since we last produced a show, I think we knew that there was the rumors, and I think it may have just been official, but uh, now it is official official. George mm -hmm. Springer, a mm -hmm. member of the Toronto Blue Jays, and... This is something you would not have seen under the Alex Anthopoulos regime, and this probably had more to do with Paul Beeson than it did with Alex. A six-year, $150 million contract. Yeah, they broke the, the five-year mark. Yeah, they would never go up that high. Yeah. So let's, let's look at this. Okay, a couple of things. A lot of fans uh, associate George Springer with what happened in Houston, and no doubt about it, he was a part of that. He made a mm -hmm. mistake. He paid for it. I don't know how much he paid for it, but uh, it was he was part of the team. Okay, he is owned up to it. And I think if you recall watching back uh, on all the spring training interviews that were done, uh, not a lot of guys are ready to take, you know, take the heat for this and and kind of apologize. George Springer did. Yeah, exactly, and. I mean, we talked about this last week. We did talk about this last week, and I, I we're both in the same boat on this, right? I mean, 
until, you know, if you want to go in and investigate and appropriate some sort of a punishment for every single player then as a league, then do it. But if we're going to let these guys play, let's just let them play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I checked the press conference. He did not bring a trash can, right? We were all worried he was going to bring a trash can. He didn't bring it. Uh, in fact, his his first statement to Toronto, what an amazing first impression. And, uh, boy, the excitement is building. Um, you're right. Like, it was two weeks ago, I believe. We were had we had the we had the the poll, and the poll was fifty mm-hmm. fifty dead split. Yeah, that it was a, a mm-hmm. failure. The off yep. season was a failure. Yep, and then the offs and and we 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 did the show on it, and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? Both of us kind of said this is the weirdest off season ever. Who knows what's going to happen? And now here we are, and uh, you know, the Jays what, what, are spending money. Yeah, I, I'm right. I'm blown away, and and uh, you know that's always been uh, whenever I have knocked this regime for for anything it's been that you know i want i want a, a an ownership group that swings for the fences and gives me massive payroll yankee teams and you know that's just what i want as a, a selfish fan and so you know that would be the one thing i'd bring up when i if i was going to complain about the team but i can't do that <laughs> like this is this is they swung for the fences they spent some serious cash here and you know i guess the only question is are we going to add a pitcher before the end of the year? Well, I mean, that that's the big question, and, and that's still the one hole that, that is there. Um, I think the addition of Marcus Simeon, to me, okay, we'll get to the pitcher in a second, but mm-hmm. what I'm going to tell you is this is the signing that really kind of gave me the sign of where this Jays team actually wants to go this year. You do not sign a middle infielder for a one-year $18 million deal unless you think you have a very good chance of going far this year. <laughs> this is this is a full-season rental player, mm-hmm. okay? You don't get into the rental department unless you are sure that you've got a good shot. So that tells me that this Toronto Blue Jays team is all in. They want, they want success this year. They want to make the postseason and beyond. And, and make it as far as they possibly can, possibly the yeah. World Series. Yeah. And having said that, Tom, I think then, yeah. I mean, you know, they add Mats this past week. And, again, he's kind of a back-of-the-rotation kind of guy. They have a number of them right now. If they are going to add a starter, though, I think the only way that's going to happen is through a trade. Yeah, and that's uh, they've already kind of come out, and I believe Atkins came out uh, last week now and admitted like the you know after after the last the Semyon deal, they said that the bulk of their heavy lifting was going to be done, and so anything else from here on out, they they indicated was going to be through trade. Um, you know, I like the Matt signing because it has the potential to make them look brilliant. You know, this is a guy that you know the people that have been fans of his and and there are a lot even after a down year in in new york like he has unbelievable stuff and the potential's there so you know i don't know these guys are proving themselves pretty smart this off season and and i'm kind of hoping they know something we don't about maths mm-hmm. i'm i'm a little disappointed that sean reed foley was dealt um mm-hmm. I yeah really i noticed that too yeah yep so i mean you know Good luck to Sean Reed Foley. I, I maybe there just wasn't wasn't room for him anymore on this roster, uh, and they had to cut bait. 
But if I'm not mistaken, Chandri Foley is is one of the last Alex guys uh, yeah. in, in the organization. So, uh, and I'm not saying the all because I know that Vladdy came through through Alex as well. So, and I believe mm-hmm. Bo did, but um, there aren't very many of them left, is what where I'm going with that. But yep. I really like what this Blue Jays team has done. Again, let's see. Uh, don't ever consider it over until the first week of spring training. Remember, I said that last week. Yep, absolutely. And anything can happen. There's still a lot of moves that can be made. Uh, don't be shocked to see somebody that you really, really like uh, get traded because it's it, quite possible it can happen, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think that will do it for the first pitch, Tom. And we got to get loaded up here for you to start coming up with some questions. Well, they're not going to be your questions, but you're going to dig them up. There's Tom. I'm Barry. <laughs> you're listening to Out of the Park. Out of the Park presents Ask Barry Davis. This is brand new music you're hearing right now, folks, uh, from our good friend Biff Naked. And uh, I'm giving in a nice little plug for Biff because she joins us on Tuesday's edition of Sessions. And we have a lot of new listeners to Out of the Park, so we should you know, let them know that you and I also produce uh, a weekly music podcast. And uh, we've had a lot of really good Canadian artists on the show lately. Yeah. And uh, we've got more lined up over the next little while. But uh, Biff Naked will be on Tuesday. And every Tuesday we produce it. And you can find it really the same place that you find out of the park on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Well, we're working on Spotify. We're working on Spotify. We're working. And, and we're yep, going to get it up there. on there. Uh, but uh, if you're into music and you uh, in- enjoy the conversations that you hear Tom and I conduct uh, with baseball players same kind of thing uh it's about their lives it's about stories it's about the human side of music so there you go yeah it's surprisingly similar you're totally right because you know we're dealing with you know absolute you know monsters of their trade and people that have followed their passions and lived their dreams and you know the one one thing's baseball one thing's music but it's it's funny how similar the conversations can get 100 percent and there, there are some times mm-hmm. where we have athletes on that we could really you uh, put on as a sessions podcast. And uh, last yep. year we had Mike Soratka on, and we talked all about his his guitar playing through the whole thing. He's a big Metallica guy, and he's just he loves playing guitar. So um, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. So that is on Tuesday, and uh, we're really excited about that. And uh, it is now time, uh, and I'm really excited that we're starting to get asked Barry Davis questions again. So. Before we get into them, yep. uh, let our listeners know uh, and a little reminder how they can submit questions. So send us questions via direct message on Twitter, either to Barry or myself. Our DMs are always open. Um, you can also send uh, them to us using the hashtag AskBarryDavis on Twitter. Um, anywhere that you see either Barry or I, you, they can send them actually directly to the SoundCloud now. Um, they can leave us a message and... Uh, I think that's about it. Oh, our Instagram, yes. right? And by the way, uh, Asbury mm-hmm. Davis is now officially sponsored by, well, unofficially officially, uh, by Rexdale Hyundai. Mm-hmm. And that is because, I mean, I'm working there now, so I want to plug it as much as I can. Uh, but uh, I was thrilled, absolutely honored. I uh, found myself uh, uh, on the unemployed uh, rack again. <laughs> 
Uh, and that happened just before Christmas because where I was working uh, selling yeah. boats and ATVs at Bass Pro, uh, because of the COVID restrictions, the store was shut down. Uh, I was laid off. Uh, I spent you know a couple of weeks figuring out what I was going to do, and I realized that if I waited to be called back, who knows how long it will be. So I got to find work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've known Nav Bhatia for over 20 years now. And many of you have already seen the video that we posted up there. But, uh, yeah, I'm now working there. Uh, I, I, I don't consider myself, I don't say I sell cars. I help you buy a car. You like that? <laughs> I right? love it. I, and it's so funny because yep. since I started working there, um, it's been great because I've heard from a lot of uh, OTP listeners. And uh, I actually just got a message in my DM now, somebody asking about a Hyundai Tucson. So that's very cool. But since I started nice. doing this job, I have seen at least three or four TV shows or movies where a snide comment was made comparing someone to a car salesman. And I'm like, and I looked at my <laughs> wife, I'm like, come on. Like, and she's like, oh, Barry, you have no idea. My, my, my father was a yeah. car dealer for 37 years. And, and yeah, there's a lot of, the, there's a lot of them. If you're paying attention, they were, I always used to joke. It was like the, the Al Bundy, right? Like remember married with yeah, children? Yeah. And and he was the shoot the used shoe well, I always think of Eugene Levy right? or the in Vacation. It's a beautiful car. We got oh. it. In my, you want metallic <laughs> P? We get some metallic P. <laughs> there we go. You know what? Maybe you should give him yeah. a call. Get some car sales advice. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Uh, Rexdale Hyundai. You can give me a call, and my DMs are now open too. And uh, you know, so far no spam or prank mm -hmm. calls. But if you uh, if you want any information regarding uh, a Hyundai Tucson or a Hyundai Elantra or any any of the wonderful vehicles they make, uh, hit me up on Twitter and uh, we can talk. We do we are open for appointment only. So if you call and you make an appointment, we can yep. come in and meet up with you and uh, do it in a very safe environment for you. So that's my plug. Let's get to the questions, sir. On to the questions. Beautiful, good plug, Barry. All right, our first question is actually from an OTP insider, um, one of our Patreon members. It's Matthew, uh, who's also, his Twitter handle currently is, Matthew says, welcome to Toronto, George Springer. Love it. And I love it, yeah. Uh, so he actually wants to know, and this is something for our, our, our OTP insiders, and we've already kind of addressed it, but you, uh, whether or not we're going to be continuing to split the interviews in half and save half for the inside members only, um, are we going to be doing that going forward? Or are we going to be posting the whole thing? Uh, Barry, I'm going to let you take, take yeah. this away because I know we've already kind of Well, right it, now, so. uh, Matthew, and, and thank you once again for your questions. Uh, when we record these conversations with these athletes, uh, a lot of times they go very, very long. And sometimes they go very deep. And a lot of editing is involved in splitting into the two parts and having it uploaded onto to our members page. So we figured what we would give the members is – the full video and no one else sees that full video it's only i, I like how you refer to our, our the members as insiders i think we'll go with that our otp insiders right i love it yeah that's why i said yeah, yeah yeah i love it i love it so, so that's how i always thought yes. of myself so they'll get to watch the entire video of the chat we have with the players and now members will also have that opportunity to sit in uh now we can expand the number of members that can come in and uh, this coming week, like I said, we've got Scott Downs coming up. And I, I know that mm -hmm. uh, he still has a, a pretty big following here. And, I mean, there are so many players we've had on before that we haven't had on in this format that I, I want to bring a lot of them back. Uh, you know, whether it be uh, yeah. Brandon Morrow or 
you know, Travis Snyder or, you know, Sean Markham. There's just so many. And, again, we'll try to get some of the current mm-hmm. players back on as well. We've had Danny Jansen on before, but wouldn't that be cool to have him on and, and allow the fans to interact? I think that would be just a wonderful thing. So, uh, right now, Matt, yeah, absolutely. Matt, with the amount of editing that's involved and the very small budget we have to work with, which is, you know, pretty much zero, um, <laughs> we just don't have the, the, the resources to do both. And we've had a lot of uh, response saying they really enjoy the videos going up, so we'll keep that going for now. And and also give mm-hmm. you the opportunity to sit in. Matt, hope you can join us for one of these. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so there, there, that's a great answer. So I'll, I'll shorten it there. So we're going to put the whole video up, pub, or sorry, the whole audio up public. Um, and rather than that last little bit of audio that we were giving to our insiders as a reward, we are now going to give you the full thing on video and chances to be interactive with our mm-hmm. guests. All love right. It. So... Question number two, uh, and this is coming from the Twitter handle, uh, Mr. Mark Carruthers. He's asking Barry Davis, so with the arrival of Springer in the Blue Jays outfield, who's on the outs? His personal hope is that we do not lose Mr. Gurriel, but what do you think, Barry? Well, let's put it this way. I think the the person that would be the most advantageous for the Blue Jays to trade would be Randall Gritchick. However... He comes with a mighty high price tag, Tom. So I mm-hmm. don't know if you're going to be able to trade him unless you're going to get somebody who also makes a lot of money and is easily disposable for the other team. You know what I'm saying? So I don't yep. see Randall Gritchick being the one that gets traded. I would think that you may... I mean, if the Blue Jays are trying to get some pitching, I think you, they may end up trading a Rowdy Tellez. I think they may end up trading a Teoscar Hernandez. And I'm sorry, but Lourdes Goreal is also someone that probably... Listen, if I'm a team looking to make a deal with the Blue Jays, and I know, I mean, I'm going to ask you know, for Bo, and, and, and I'm going to ask for Kevin, I'm going to ask for Vladdy, okay? I'm going to ask for all three of them if I'm a rival GM. I know I'm not getting any of them. So the very next one yeah. on my list is, okay, then I need Lourdes Goriel. If you want this, this is what I want. So they're going to get asked. They're definitely going to get asked. And uh, whether or not uh, Shapiro and Atkins find the deal that, that can bring it. Listen, I remember, I was old enough to remember when the Toronto Blue Jays uh, traded Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez. <laughs> and we were outraged. How can you? We love these guys. They're great players. Mm-hmm. They're great people. And then all of a sudden, here comes Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar. Uh, so you don't know. You don't know what you get back. Yeah. Maybe so good you won't even you won't even miss Loris Goriel. So, oh, man, uh, I I hope we stay with Goriel, and I hope we stay with Hernandez. And I hate how much sense you're making about Grichik's difficulty moving. Um, I've, I've seen some chatter that apparently he is drawing interest, um, which was nice to see, mm. but you're making an awful lot of sense there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, uh, and we thank our, our wonderful listeners for their, their questions. Uh, we'll get to Liam Hendricks in mm-hmm. uh, just a couple minutes, but first of all, uh, let's talk to our, our good friend. We love him, Mr. Raj Lapaya. Foundation Physiotherapy presents The Medical Room. It is time 
to talk injury woes with our good pal Raj Sapaya from Foundation Physiotherapy. Uh, Raj, good to chat with you once again. Uh, Toronto Raptors uh, not off. Yeah, good. Toronto Raptors not off to a great start, Raj. It's been a little bit tough for them. Uh, and also injury-wise, Kyle Lowry uh, had some issues with, with his toe, and I had heard eventually it became an infection in his toe. And, well, it didn't stop him. He went out and, uh, you know, now has 10,000 career points and great for Kyle Lowry. But first of all, um, could an infection, like, I'm thinking this... This happens quite often in the world of sports. There's a lot of bacteria floating around there. Yeah, I mean, how he got the infection, it could be through just sweat that's collected in between his toes or his toenails. Um, it could be just, you know, whatever's happening in his socks or shoes. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of bacteria that, that transfers between the athletes as well as within the equipment they're using um, or whatever they're exposed to, whether they're stepping in the same you know, showers and things like that. Like who knows, you know, what they're exposed to. So, you know, especially these guys get older, their feet are also putting so much more load, so much more weight. So, you know, uh, bacteria builds in there and, and a toe might get infected or, or something like that. But um, I think he was out for a few days and it can certainly affect performance um, because, you know, you, you're, you're not able to use the, what happens, your body goes into protection mode. So you're not able to use the muscles around the toe as much. Uh, you're not able to use the muscles around the foot. And obviously, you know, for a basketball player, you're going to need that, those foot and toe muscles to help you, right? You know, is there is there a danger with an injury like this of coming back too early and and making things worse? Well, if the infection isn't cleared, uh, you can certainly spread it. That's you know, depending on what you're touching and who's touching your who's touching your stuff. Like you know, sometimes they have equipment managers stuff that are cleaning up after them. So for sure, you you can spread it if, if the infection isn't cleared. Um, and secondly, yeah, if, if you're still, if your mechanics have changed, so mm, if there yeah. is pain in the foot and the pain in the toe, um, and he's still kind of trying to avoid putting weight on it, he'll, he'll change his mechanics, right? So what'll happen is because they're, they're, they're athletes and they can find ways to perform, he'll start using his knee more, he'll start using his hips more, he'll start putting weight on the other leg more, he'll change his shot a little bit, right? Uh, so there's a chance that he could off, offload other areas or create load in other areas, which will then affect potentially injure the other side. I'll tell you what, Raj, whenever we three of us get together, you are always the big toe of our conversation. <laughs> that means, that means you, you stink more than the rest of us. Raj Sapaya from Foundation Physiotherapy. We'll talk to you again next week. Well, that is uh, music from well, a bunch of people. Uh, this is this is Liam Hendrix's walkout music, uh, dude. Like, what is this, man? This is like bizarro mashup city here. Yeah. So I uh, when I was in Toronto, I had Back in Black by ACDC. Uh, when I got to the A's, I transferred that over, and it just uh, it didn't really translate into any good numbers out there. So we we mixed it up a little bit. And, came back with a couple different ones. The first one was a mix up between Black Sabbath and Taylor Swift called uh, Iron Man crossed with bad blood. And then the next year we, uh, we mixed it back in and we went, uh, we went this, but no, Christian, I, we, we sat down and we 
usually when we're in the bathroom, we'll just sit there playing music. And we came up with this one. She found it on actually a spin class. And yeah, we kind of ran with it and it's, it seems to have worked out all right so far because I started using it in 2019. So it's uh, Perfect. done all right. Now, first of all, congratulations on the new deal with the White Sox. It's, it's just phenomenal. Really happy for you. Is there any truth to the rumor that one of the caveats in the deal was you needed a lifetime supply of deep dish pizza? <laughs> I mean, I can tell you about 100 pounds if that's true or not. But uh, <laughs> no, we're... Um, it was it, like, obviously you look at it every the couple of the few teams that the teams that were continually talking to the entire time, a lot of them have a good restaurant scene. So that was good. But uh, Chicago's got one of those, those places where you can every night of the week, you can go down within walking distance of downtown. You can walk around and, and find something different and, and a different kind of uh, genre to eat in. So we're excited about trying it all out. Is Chicago your favorite culinary city of all the MLB cities or is there is there one that's head and shoulders above the rest? Uh, I mean, it's tough to say, obviously, um, I'm a big fan of New York, uh, just because there's so, there's just such a big variety out there. Um, I love Toronto because they've got a, they've got some meat pie. They got some Aussie food out there because they're back in the Commonwealth, which is nice. Uh, Chicago's definitely up there because I love my pizza and it's just, uh, one of the, uh, the, the concierge of the hotel when we went up for our physical, he actually gave us a list of not only pizza places to go to, but also takeout pizza places while the pandemic's going on. It's a place you can go and and pick up some stuff that still travels well, which is nice. So we're excited about kind of eating our way through the city. We're excited about it now, but towards the end of the year, I'm assuming we'll both hate it because we'll be, yeah, we'll be packing on the pounds a little bit more. All right. I'm going to ask you this once and then that's it. Blue Jay fans want to know, was there anything, was there any dialogue? Was there any chance you were going to come back here? Oh, they were in it to the very end. Um, there was, there was no lies about anything like that. Well, obviously I went up to Dunedin. I, I toured the new facilities, which are incredible, by the way, they, they have uh, they didn't miss too much. There's a like a Rogers Center um, like dimension field that's on AstroTurf, so the guys can get used to the turf. There's a uh, full undercover half field. Um, they've got a huge gym. There's the clubhouse is fantastic. They uh, they really spared no expense and I think it's a great option for the minor league guys as well. You're gonna go into the same building as the big league guys. You're gonna be able to see some of them guys. Those guys work out whether they're in the training room or the the, the wet room. There's there's certain aspects where you actually get that kind of hands on with some of the big league guys, which is fantastic as a young kid. I remember like when the, uh, the big leaguers would come down, it was, it was a huge deal. Cause you get a chance to talk to them a little bit. These are guys that have made it and they're like living the dream you want to get to. And uh, it kind of just brings that into a little bit more of a reality, but no, the blue Jays were in until the very end. Um, uh, it didn't work out, but uh, no, they were definitely a viable option. And, and we would have loved to have gone back to Toronto. We, we both have very fond memories of being there. Obviously we both love Christy and I both love the, uh, the powder blue uniforms, which, just adds a little bit of a different and unique style on it. But uh, no, it was, they were definitely in towards the end. That's just, uh, it ended up being the White Sox prevailed. Was there one thing that put the White Sox over the, over the hump that, that sealed the deal for you? Was there one thing in particular or was it a whole bunch of, they were just, they were, they were like the Blue Jays were very aggressive early and then they were waiting to see what happened with uh, some of the bigger name guys to figure out what their, their payroll was. Uh, and the White Sox are just aggressive. And it just came down to, getting to that point where everyone wanted to be in and we, we figured out a deal that we, uh, we, we liked and were willing to take and we didn't want to sit on it. We didn't want to wait and see if anything was going to come to fruition from any other team. We, uh, we identified the White Sox early on as one of the teams that really has a chance to do some things over the next few years. The same with the Blue Jays. They have a great core, they have a young core, and they've got a lot of guys that are there for a, a long period of time, which is fantastic. But uh, unfortunately, our timing just never quite lined up at the, uh, the right time. But 
it is what it is, and, and I'm sure the Blue Jays will uh, will be in contention for many years to come with uh, with the additions they've made with with adding uh, with adding Springer. And um, yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good and fun team to watch out there. Liam, I know a lot of people look back on your pre-Oakland career and say, well, his numbers were kind of all over the place. But uh, I mean, 2015, you had a fantastic year with the Blue Jays. You had an ERA under three. You did have years where it was like, what exactly is my role here on this team? And even your first stint, you know, the first couple of years in Oakland, you know, trying to find your place. And I remember first time I saw you pitching in an Oakland uniform in Toronto and you get up a grand slam home run. But uh, those are I mean, rare. I couldn't just walk the guy. It was a 3-2 pitch to Steve Pierce. I couldn't just walk the winning run in. I had yeah. to throw a strike and I had, you had to hit a homer. So yeah. just tack on four runs to my ERA instead of the one. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, lot of times in there where I was kind of, I always say I didn't handle things very well. I went over when I got traded over. They said, "Hey, look, we're we're excited to have you. We're looking at you as being one of the setup guys in that team moving forward. I think this is a role you can really strive, like you can really kind of bring to the table and really thrive in." Uh, and then I got there. Then they signed two other relievers, and I was all all of a sudden stuck in that middle relief role again. I just didn't handle it well. I um I I expected things to be given to me without really earning them, uh, and it really took. 2018 until I got sent down and and had that little kind of change of pace and realized that no like nothing is nothing's given you just need you need to earn absolutely everything you get and it's just uh, I think that was one of those necessary evils lucky enough I was able to be given another chance uh and it turned out all right but uh yeah that 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 was something that was necessary for me just to kind of get back into the right frame of mind the right headspace same headspace I was at in 2015 with the Blue Jays of look I'm just gonna pitch and when they call my name, they call my name. I don't care what role it is. I just want to play. Heard so many athletes tell us on this show that you learn so much more from failure than you do from success. And sometimes you have to fail to, to learn to get better. So as you're saying, you've got yourself in, in a, a mental frame of mind that has helped you deal now with the failures to build up what you've had over the last couple of seasons. Is there a challenge mentally to live up to the success now? I mean, to deal with failure is one thing, but to deal with success is another thing. I mean, you're coming off, my God, you were 13th in the league for MVP and ninth in Cy Young. I mean, that, that's just amazing. But do you now kind of have to challenge yourself mentally to say, you know, okay, now I need to learn how to deal with where I'm at? Uh, I, I always put it, there's two ways of looking at things like this. There's two ways. There's always, um, everybody's going to doubt that you can do it. There's, everybody's going to doubt the fact that, oh, well, you, you've been overpaid or, you, uh, you're you going to struggle with a lot of things. But for me, it was, um, look, there's two ways of viewing it. It's either, why can't why can't I do this? Like, why, why are you saying, like, do, I, do you think I can? Do I think I can repeat this or do I anything like that? Or there's the way of looking at it, which I've taken and had a stranglehold on the last couple of years of, you don't think I can do this, watch me. And that's what I'm taking in. It's just it's that little bit of a mindset tweak of, Never war- never concerned with what everyone else is thinking unless they think that I can't do it and then I'm going to prove them wrong. And that's the biggest thing. It's uh, it's easy to come back from failure. It's it's very hard to kind of continue that positive and kind of coming off the successful seasons and stuff. And luckily, I was able to kind of build off that last year. And that was the first year that I'd really had that really breakout year where everyone's telling me, hey, you can't do it again. There's no way you can do that again. It was a flash in the pan. It was that fluky year. You're going to get back to being the same guy and normal guy next year. And, and I took that to heart and I took it personally. And I made sure that that was kind of my agenda of making sure that I could prove every single person wrong and repeat my success. 
you know, you talk about um, sort of the intangibles that led to that that run of the, the sort of success all coming together. Um, but baseball is about as analytical as a sport can get. Um, can you look at your 2019 season, 2020 season, and see something fantastically different, like a, a different spin rate or or a different mile per hour, or a different velocity on, on one of your pitches, something big that changed that might have also kind of gone along with the intangibles? Yeah, so, I mean, the last two-seamer I threw was in May. I scrapped it completely in May. I just wasn't having any success with it. I was giving up contact whether it be weak or whether it be hard it was just contact and i was looking at that point my forcing wasn't and so i'm wondering sitting there wondering like okay well why is this giving up contact when the other one isn't let's take that away and see how it goes and when i took that away all of a sudden my fastball velocity started increasing my spin rate started increasing my breaking ball swing and miss started increasing it wasn't necessarily the movement on the breaking balls that changed it was just all of a sudden because i was sticking with that forcing I had that different variant that was coming off it. And for whatever reason, that's just coincided with everything kind of going in that right direction of velocity kind of ticking up and everything kind of plays off that. So with the velocity ticking up, the breaking balls had a little bit more bite. I started throwing a lot more curveballs as well, just to add those three different spin uh, speeds. So all of a sudden I've got my fastball, then I've got the middle range slider and then the slower curveball. And it's all of a sudden you're kind of mixing and matching speeds and different eye levels. And the biggest thing to me was just, why am I overthinking the way I pitch? If a guy swings and misses at a fastball, why do I all of a sudden assume that they're going to be sitting on the fastball, they're going to be able to get it? So I stopped thinking that. I'd be like, okay, you just swung and missed at my fastball. You're going to get it again until you can prove to me that you can touch it. And that's just, uh, as a reliever, it, it makes it simplifies the game a lot more and it just makes it a lot easier to kind of go out there and it's, yeah, you're going to go, you, you remember the past successes you've had against guys, you just stick to those strengths. Liam, you're you're joining us from Florida. Is this is this your off season home now? Has this been become where you guys live in the off season? Yeah, we've uh, we've been down here. We uh, we bought this place in 2017. I uh, love it down here. It's great. It's uh, you don't really get too much of a winner um, in our little cul-de-sac we've got. It's a great group of people down here as well. They're all a uh, couple of them are snowbirds. A couple of them have moved down from different places and and come down. Funnily enough, the street is pretty much an Illinois street for whatever reason, there's a bunch of <laughs> Chicago residents out here. So they come down and it's just a good group. It's a good group down here. They're all a little bit, uh, yeah, they're all a little bit older than Christy and I, but we have a great time and they just, that yeah, we've, we've got dinner lined up with, uh, with some, one of the couples earlier, uh, actually next week. And, and we'll get down and just kind of gas bag and talk and make fun of everybody else. You know, it's so funny. You say that and Tom and I, and I'm sure Christy's, you know, being Canadian has told you, what you just said is like we can't do it right now. You know what I mean? Like we're we're in lockdown. We're in stay at home, only go to work, restaurants. You can't eat in restaurants. We can't do this. We can't do that right now. From what I understand, a, a lot of the states, including Florida, I mean, it's it's pretty wide open now, isn't it? So when we were in Chicago, it was mask mandates every time you leave the house. It was no indoor dining. It was limiting traffic and travel and all that sort of stuff. So like a lot of states are on those the Illinois track. Florida is the wild west. Florida is pretty much completely open. It's it's terrifying when you when we came back from California or where we're in Illinois. It's just, yeah, it's a little terrifying. I always wear a mask no matter where I go. Uh, in stores, a lot of places in stores are making people wear masks. Uh, just their poli- their um, kind of company policy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can. There's a lot of restaurants you can eat in at now, and it's just it's it is somewhat terrifying because of the way everything's going, especially in Florida. It's uh, Hasn't been one of the better states, but um, 
yeah, obviously it's uh, you look at Australia. Australia's pretty much wide back open because they stamped it out very, very strictly at the start of it. They shut down uh, domestic borders. They shut down domestic travel. So if you were going to go from the state of Victoria to Western Australia, it was a 14-day mandatory quarantine where you went to the hotel and they didn't even give you a room key. You just sat in the hotel for 14 days. That was it. You weren't allowed to do anything else. So they uh, Australia pretty much ran – Australia and New Zealand did a very good job of kind of limiting that, and uh, they're doing all right. But, yeah, America's not uh, – not as good as some of the other countries that have that have, have had everything going on. But, um, yeah, Christy and I pretty much keep to ourselves a lot. We keep to the, the little group that's down here that all pretty much do the same thing. We don't go out at all. We stick around the house, and any time we leave, it's pretty much just to get groceries, and that's about it. For me, the only time I leave the house is either to get coffee or to throw, and that's legitimately the only time I ever leave the house. You know, it's funny. You bring up Australia and, and kind of the wide differences between – uh, the reality between Australia and America right now. Uh, we have now just ended what seems like a, just a, a forever process of electing a new president in America. I'm not going to ask you who you voted for. I'm not going to ask you anything political, except for as an Australian, what's the U.S. election like to watch? Because I, I know quite a bit about Australian politics is very similar to Canadian and it's vastly different than, than how they, you know, what's it like for you sitting back and watching, or do you just try and avoid it altogether? Uh, no, I mean, I watch, I, I, I can't vote, so I'm not an American citizen, so I can't vote, so I had no, no say in the matter or anything like that. Uh, the biggest thing that always blows my mind is, one, how much both sides trash talk each other. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's never about their own policies. It's always about bashing the other person, which is always, it always blows my mind that, um, and then the other one is, it's like they were talking about record turnout and all this. And I'm like, okay, that's literally less than a third of the country voted. And that's a record turnout. How is that possible? Australia's got mandatory voting. If you don't vote, you get fined. Really? It's just, yeah, I mean, it's like you, you, you have your say. So there's no one that can say that they didn't have their voice heard. Or there's no one that said anything along these lines. But I mean, it's going to be tough with one a country the size of the US, two with the uh, political nature of absolutely everything that goes on internationally from whoever becomes president in the U.S. as well is, is, always a, is always an interesting thing. But no, I look at it, and obviously I'm Australian, so I look at one of the first things I always look at is immigration policies. I always look at immigration because it directly affects me. That's just one thing I always look at. I can't vote anyway, so it doesn't matter. I just like knowing what's going on. But it was fascinating and terrifying and a mixture of emotions going through the entire process. And I mean... Um, I'm glad it's finally over. I'm glad for the next four years we can uh, kind of relax it somewhat about whoever's in office about moving forward. And, and at the end of the day, you just got to trust in, in the current guy to do the best thing for the country, and hopefully that works out. Okay, one political question for you. What has been your favorite Bernie Sanders meme so far? Oh, I mean. There's been some good ones. I mean, he's everywhere. Just- it has been some good ones. There's been uh, there was there was one that I saw from my actually uh, my fantasy hockey tech group text that a guy it was just a guy walking around and he flung out a uh, a, a lawn chair to sit on the side and then Bernie Sanders is sitting in it. Yes, I saw so that just a one. A little moving gift. That yeah. one is so awesome. That was that one, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, he's practical. At the end of the day, it's you coming out. It's cold. Why? Why? You know, just dress up. Let's let's figure it out. We've all been in sweatpants for the last eight months. So let, like. Let the guy be comfortable. You know what I think would be funny if someone did either, and I think they've already done, have someone, you know, uh, home plate lady at Rogers Center, the old lady that's, yeah, oh, yeah. they put her, yeah, him beside her. That. But I think what would be really cool is to have him 
in the Houston Astros dugout sitting in front of a trash can. To me, that would be the best. He could go that way. I was more thinking of Marlins, man. Put him next to oh, Marlins, man. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Or um, just have him sitting out by himself in, like, uh, the uh, – what was it? In Colorado a couple of years ago, there was that one guy who was sleeting and, and raining, and there was one guy still in the grandstands up there. So put him out there with him. Or we had Dallas Braden from the A's. We had him out in the very, very top-notch corner of the stadium one day, and they showed him on TV, and then all of a sudden, you just see a procession line of people going up there to sign. This is a couple years ago now, but yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some good ones floating around, and he seems to have taken in, taken in a good stride, which is always nice. You know, with the passing of Hank Aaron, uh, you know, it brought back a lot of memories and a lot of stories about what he had to deal with and the racism that he faced when he was chasing Babe Ruth's, you know, home run record, and. You know, as much as we'd like to think that our society has, has made a lot of strides since then, I think what we've seen over the last four years is that there's still a lot of work to do. And I know you and Chrissy are huge advocates for, for bullying and just being good people. You know, are you, are you a little, I don't know, surprised, but concerned with the amount of hatred that seems to be going out in the world right now. I mean, and you mentioned all the trash talking we're seeing. Families are being ripped apart by who they voted for. Yeah, it's a tough thing. Obviously, you see what guys have dealt with in the past, and it's you're like, okay, it was in the past. It's never going to happen again. But then you see certain things, and it's almost like it's almost like when it's like a fresh layer of snow that's come over. That's just covered it up, and it's it's still there. It's still that seedy underbelly. It's still happening. But everybody to, chooses to look at the fresh bit, fresh bit of snow on top, and not realize how it actually does affect absolutely everybody. Whether it be, uh, whether it be a race thing, whether it be an orientation thing, whether it be a country that they come from, it's just, it's unfortunate that people can't get through their own heads. That just because they they may look differently, or they sound differently, or they talk a different language, or they they like a different sex, it doesn't change the fact that they're still a human being. Treat people, treat human beings with dignity. And you're going to get treated the same in return. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I'm very, I shouldn't say pleased with the movement of last year, but it's about time that something gets done. Uh, it's unfortunate that it ha- it took what it took to have to happen, but it's just I don't understand how in this day and age people don't understand other people. They don't give anyone else the benefit of the doubt. They just look at it. Okay, you're different from me, so obviously you're wrong and I'm right. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a discussion and figure out like what's the what. Okay, well. Why do you view it that way? Why do you view it this way? Like, like there's certain, like I, we've got two different political parties in our little area and it's just like, okay, well, why did you vote for him? And why did you vote for him? I don't care. I don't care if you voted red or blue, but have a reason of why you did it. Not just because it's not the other guy or it's because you've been this way your entire life. Like have some actually substance to the this discussions you're having. It's the same way with, with race, with orientation. I feel like it's just, it's so sad that it's come to, any of this i mean it's the fact that like i i don't i never got to the point of i didn't understand it and it's the pre-misconceptions that need to change it starts in the school systems it starts making sure that okay you see a certain type of person you don't make that snap judgment you take away those snap judgments people get along and they're all brought in by culture they're all brought in by in the school systems or something that's just not isn't taken care of the right way as a young kid and it's just it's an unfortunate way that the world is turning but i'm glad that the discussions are open and people are listening do you think, you know, especially with the, the passing of, of Hank Aaron, um, actually, as we record this today, um, do you think Major League Baseball uh, is doing a good enough job of being a leader in that push 
um, against this just seemingly unending tide of, of racism and, and, and of negativity. Um, it, it, they have in the past, for sure. But do you think MLB is doing a good enough job now of trying to even that playing field? Uh, I think they're trying. But unfortunately, look at the numbers. Look at the, the amount of uh, people of color in executive jobs in baseball. Mm-hmm. Look at the look at the people of color who play the game as actual players or coaching staff. It is drastically different than what it should be. It's drastically off from what it needs to be, and that may or may not be a like a, a an opportunity based thing. That may or may not be the fact that they're not giving enough. They're not doing enough in urban areas or in cities or around the world for different opportunities arise for certain kids playing the game to actually make a career out of this and make a push for it. Or it could just be the fact that it could be an opportunity. Okay, there's, there's two kids playing in AAA, and all of a sudden, they've got pretty good numbers. They're both the same, and they choose one over the other. And all of a sudden, that's just – I'm not asking them to, to make sure that the minorities get to the big leagues or make sure that the white guys get to the big leagues. It's it's making sure that it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their name sounds like. It doesn't matter what language they speak. The better player should always go up no matter what. And that's just what we need to do. It's, it's always about – we just need to like level the playing field. Um, yeah, it's 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 an it's an unfortunate kind of trend that when you really look around, you look at the numbers. It's it's unfortunate. It's the same way with school funding. It's just why why is this this such big uh, separation between certain neighborhoods and certain areas in school funding? It's just it's it's unacceptable. And you know, a lot of the strides we've made over the years and. You know, if you were to go, you know, five, six years ago, even into a major league clubhouse, I mean, yeah, you would probably, and I saw this with the Jays, right? You, the Dominican players would would gather together and and talk because of their language, and the American players would gather and talk over here, but they were still teammates, and it was still a group. I wonder now because, regardless of where you work or what you do, you're going to have, and I see this biggest divide now is you're either a Trump person or you're not a Trump person. And it seems that the two sides are having trouble even getting along. Is this something that have you seen any of this in a clubhouse or are you worried that there's going to be, you know, this guy here is a Trump guy and this guy here is, is totally not a Trump guy. And it's going to cause friction amongst personalities. Yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit of this last year with Oakland. There was differing political views, those different personalities. But a lot of the time it's you have these discussions and you leave those discussions as soon as you leave it. Like I had multiple discussions with certain guys and it was, it was very constructive. Like you'd hear their side, I'd hit, they'd hear my side. And then all of a sudden we may not agree on the exact things that we're looking at, but you, as soon as that conversation is over, you turn on to the next thing. You have those conversations, you learn about someone, but you don't hold that grudge against them. And right now it's people holding grudges. It's that grudge. Okay. Well, you're a Trumper or, or you're a Democrat or you're a Biden fan or you're whatever it is. And it's, just it's so divided that nobody wants to hear the other side and as soon as they hear that that's what they're, the, they're on the opposite side they're immediately a, either a terrible person or they don't know what's going on or they're anti-american or they're whatever whatever you want to say it's just people don't kind of see both sides like there were certain articles that i'd read and it was whether it be on a certain news channel or another news channel you'd make sure to do your research like is this actually true or is this just quote-unquote fake news and it's just a certain a certain different spin on what's actually happening but i mean you guys know about it being in the media and everything it's this you could say one statement and you like pronunciate one different word out of a 15 page statement and all of a sudden it completely changes 
the way it reads, the way it sounds, the way it kind of could be politically viewed. And we're living in such a time where every little thing is so scrutinized today that it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. But uh, no, we, we had some very constructive uh, kind of conversations in the, in the clubhouse this year. And it's, um, yeah, it's just it, when people don't go into it with that ego of I'm right, you're wrong. It's that people tend to listen to each other, which is nice. You know, you're coming at baseball from a very different perspective than basically anybody else in the majors, uh, traveling from Australia, you know, playing where you have. But I think it's safe to say that 2020, there was never a season like it before. Um, you just talked about the, the guys in the clubhouse and, and you know, you, Oakland made it through. And, and, you know, what was that experience like? How was the clubhouse? How was this season for you from a personal level, from a performance level? It was obviously great. But from a personal level, how how did you guys cope? How did the team cope? Yeah, it was obviously a different time. Um, we were lucky in the fact that this is the first year we were able to use the Raiders Clubhouse, which is a drastically larger space. So oh, man, we went yeah. from having a yeah, we we're having a clubhouse which is barely fitting enough guy like one to a locker, to all of a sudden being in the Raiders Clubhouse where you could almost every single person had a locker, a spare locker on either side of them. So that was, we we're lucky in the, the fact that we had a lot of space. We we're lucky in the fact that we've got a very enigmatic and exciting team that wanted to win and they wanted to, no matter what happened, they had everybody's back at every, at every point. Um, but yeah, it was definitely different having to consistently wear masks, which I'm not opposed to, but certain guys weren't a big fan of. Uh, we had to sit in the stands, which in Oakland isn't great because the stands in the bullpen aren't always the most comfortable. Uh, we had the shades, which were necessary, but we were constantly sitting in the sun because the angle of the shades when the games are actually on, we didn't have enough shading for the actual players in the bullpen. So that was, uh, that was tough, but I mean, it's, you take everything with stride. We get to play a game for a living and we actually got to go to our job. There was a lot of people out there that didn't There were a lot of people out there that were struggling and we were lucky enough to be a part of something that we, that could actually perform and do what we needed to do. And um, once that got through to a lot of people's heads, it was like, suck it up. It's, three months out of our lives, let's suck it up and not complain and take care of business and hopefully win a ring. Unfortunately, we didn't, we weren't able to get all the way through, but uh, once you got that through to a lot of people, it was just like, look, if you don't like it, go home. If you don't like it, piss off. It's not that, it's not that hard. If you want to continue to complain about absolutely everything, go home. How did- so, like, there wasn't anybody in our team that did, but uh, yeah, you just, you just deal with it. You, you handle it up, you deal with it. I mean, it's not that hard. How were the players looked at that decided to opt out of the season? Were were most guys cool with that and say, look, I understand you don't feel safe. You're going to take the year off. Or was there a lot of animosity among some that really like, why are you taking this time off? Yeah. Like Oakland didn't have anybody that opted out. So we don't have any like personal kind of views on it. Um, it may have been different on a team. Like it, it all depends on the situation. If you're on a team that had a chance to win, you opted out. I don't know how those guys are dealing. Or if you're on a team that kind of wasn't looking at, at doing anything or you just were un, like unsure of how it was going, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of criticize anybody for that because it's their own personal safety. It's the same way whether you get guys who wear a seatbelt or not wear a seatbelt, whether it be legal or illegal. It's just certain things where certain guys take more precautions than others. And, and this is one of those things. It's a precautionary thing. And if you feel like this is – you just don't feel comfortable, why put yourself through that stress? Why put your, put your family through that stress of you being gone? I mean, you look at Buster Posey. I mean, he had just adopted uh, twin girls. And, I mean, that's about as good a reason as any to opt out because you want to make sure that your kids that are coming into a new a new household and that they're take, being taken care of in the right way. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there was a couple that, like I 
deemed a little iffy that kind of upped it out halfway through the season, but um, it is what it is. I mean, if you don't feel safe, you don't feel safe. And it comes down to that. Like, why would you force the issue and make a guy feel uncomfortable in a clubhouse? Yeah. How have, have the Chicago White Sox given you an idea of what the season's going to be like going into it this year? Like, obviously last year was completely different and they were kind of making it up as it goes, but you know, uh, are we are we beginning the process to get ready to the season already? Or if we haven't, is there a roadmap in place for this year? Yeah, I mean, with uh, spring training starts on the 17th, we haven't heard anything otherwise from both MLB and, and the union. We haven't heard anything other than we're going to start on time. Uh, it's we, will prove, we proved that we could get through 60-game season last year, which means that this year, with the way that the NHL is going, the way that the NFL, the NBA are all doing it, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to get a full 162-game season in. Um, it may have to be a little bit more like last year at the start of the year, depending on how these vaccine rollouts go. Uh, and that's the other thing we don't know. We don't know how the vaccine with organizations are going to do it. Um, obviously, we don't want to, as play as a player group, we don't want to kind of take vaccines out of the public hands to make sure that we're all vaccinated. I um, I will be definitely getting it at some point, no matter like whether it's whenever it's available. Uh, but I will not try and push myself to the front of the line because it's there's a lot more people that need it more than I do out there. So. Um, I mean, even though I could get it being being a high risk individual with uh, with my living condition, so it's um, there's that. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at a full full fledged season. Um, I head out to Arizona on the sixth of February, and uh, we'll look to kind of start it moving then, and 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 look forward to a, hopefully a full season. You mentioned just now your liver condition. I, I, I'm sure a lot of fans don't even know what you're talking about. Is there anything that you're willing to share about your liver condition? Yeah, I've got I've got autoimmune. Uh, I've got an autoimmune disease in my liver. Um, got diagnosed actually my to the, re-diagnosed in 2015 when I was with the Blue Jays, and it, uh, since that day I haven't I haven't picked up a drink. I but yeah, I was on the high risk uh, high risk list this last year, and I very well could have opted out and still been paid, still got service time, still got everything, and still being a free agent. But I mean, it's just that was never in my that was never questioned. I was never questioning whether I should or shouldn't play. Um, it's the game I love and I, I want to make sure that I can play it as long as I can. And yeah, it's, uh, it's not a big, I'm very open with the fact that I have, I have this condition. It doesn't change my day-to-day life, but it does, uh, it is a little bit more of an immunity, uh, compromising disease that, uh, puts me in a high risk in that case. But, uh, yeah, when I can get a vaccine, I'll get a vaccine. But other than that, it's, um, it's something that I've been living with for six, uh, when I got diagnosed in 2007, it was I had it for a couple of years, then it went away, and then came back when I was with the Jays. And it is what it is. It's a, I take a pill a day, I manage my diet, I don't drink, and and we'll be all good. And hopefully, there's no long term issues. I remember talking to you in the clubhouse in Baltimore uh, after the Jays had clinched, and everyone <laughs> is boozing it up and partying. And and I'm I'm sure you can tell me at some point who actually threw me in that tank of of ice water, but you weren't drinking. And I remember you and at that, at that point, I wasn't sure. I just thought you were just not a drinker, but as somebody, and, and I'm not saying you were, were an alcoholic before that, but I mean, as any young guy partying with a group of people, everyone drinking champagne, was that easy for you to pass? Was there points where you were saying, Oh man, a, a few sips ain't going to hurt me. Like, how was that for you? I mean, there's no, I, I have no qualms with uh, the fact that I stopped drinking. It was a health thing. It wasn't a, like they said, I could still have a couple every now and then, but it's just, it's 
I don't see the point. Like, I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to risk my future health because of anything like that. Uh, the clubbies out in Baltimore were happy enough to get me some. They ended up pulling some duels outside. So I had a little bit of that and then kind of passed it along. But yeah, I mean, it, um, it is what it is. I mean, I, it's not, it's nothing that I ever have the urge to do or the feel like I need to. It's, uh, it's just something that I just don't do anymore. It's not, um, it's, it's not a difficult decision. It's just like staying away from something that you used to do occasionally. And it, like, whether it be like carbs or chocolate or sweets or anything like that, it's just, it's a, it's a decision that you make and it, I have no ever regrets of doing it. I don't, uh, I don't care. My wife loves it cause she's got a DD everywhere we go. So she, <laughs> I always drive so she can, she can have a couple glasses of wine at dinner or something, anything like that. And then there's no risk of anything going on. Well, you know, I know a lot of people that have actually come from Australia or traveled to Australia at times and, you know, giving up drinking is one thing, but, but having done that journey yourself, you've probably given up one or two things that you absolutely love that you can't get your hands on here in North America. Is there anything that was harder to give up than drinking that you miss from Australia that you wish you could get here? Rise up lights. Uh, yeah, raise up lights. Uh, no, the biggest thing is I, I miss being on the right side of the car there's that um <laughs> but uh no a lot of it's just food obviously you miss your family i wish i was dead there's certain ways of doing things that are a little different but the food's the biggest one it's just i miss the food there's certain things that you get over there that you just can't get over here and it's uh it makes it a little harder but at the end of the day when i go back i go back we try and get back every every other year for christmas and my family comes over the the, uh, the other years and we split it that way, but yeah, it's usually, it's just the food. Like I miss going back and I miss just walking around, getting a coffee and getting, going in a meat pie or walking down the shops and just seeing the old place you used to hang out at as a kid. It's uh, it brings back that little nostalgia to it, but uh, yeah, it's just, the, it's mainly the food to be honest. It's uh, it's a little, it, it sucks a little bit sometimes with that stuff, but it is what it is. I mean, it, it probably helps me uh, stay somewhat trim rather than eating the stuff down there as well. You know, my wife's from Newfoundland, and the one thing that she to this day says she misses is the smell of the ocean. You know, I don't know how close you were to the ocean in Australia, but you you know you probably didn't have to go far to get to it. Is that something that you? And I mean, you kind of had it in in the Bay Area, but it's not the same. No, it's definitely not the same. I mean, uh, my high school, I could throw a baseball from the field into the ocean, Damn. so we uh, we were pretty close. So, and I bet uh, you were the only yeah, one who did that too, right? None of your friends threw baseballs. Uh, so I was saying that today, I was at, uh, at the local college down here in Fort Myers, FGCU, and I was throwing a bullpen and I was talking about that. The, the coach asked me, was like, Hey, did you play high school baseball? I was like, yeah, we had, uh, we had a team for one year of my high school career. We came second in the state. I'm like, Oh, that's a pretty good. Yeah. We had two guys that had played baseball before on the team and we came second. <laughs> so it wasn't a great league. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was more of a football. We had a great sporting, uh, sporting unit at the school though. I was doing track and all that, all that fun stuff and, and playing football and all that. But yeah, we're close to the ocean. I do definitely miss the smell of the ocean. It's, it's got a different, it, it, it hits that little bit differently when you're back home. So being able to kind of walk along the coast as, a, as the sun's setting and, and being able to see that it's, it's a cool, it's a cool vibe. I would be remiss if I, if I didn't mention to you and you know, when you decided to sign with the Chicago white Sox, I'm sure somewhere through your mind, you kind of said, okay, I need to make sure that, this whole Tony La Russa thing is going to be cool. Cause I mean, he's gotten a lot of bad press lately and you don't have to be a genius to see that you have gotten to know him probably on a more personal level. Now, did you kind of go in with a completely open mind or were you kind of a little bit hesitant at first and thinking, okay, I, I this guy needs to sell, sell me that 
I'm cool with him. Uh, so I know Tony from Animal Rescue Foundations. Hey, Mitchie. Oh, there goes Mitchie. Good timing. Uh, so I know him. Yeah, so I know him from his Animal Rescue. Uh, Tony LaRusso's off in the Bay Area. So I know him because we've been dealing with that for the last several years. So I know him from that. Done certain things um, that is, that he's been there, obviously running it. Uh, and then because he's known around the Bay Area, because he was the manager of the A's and stuff, every time he was in town, he'd come in. And so we'd have conversations and stuff. So we had that. We have a little bit of like the kind of passing knowledge of each other. And and look, at the end of the day, he was, the one, he was one of the first kind of inventors of the closer, the, the actual closer's role. So I'm excited to be able to learn from him in that. Um, yeah, regardless of the bad press and what everything like that is, I know him as a, as a different person than, than all that's coming around. So I just take my personal, personal knowledge of him, what he's been able to do in the game of baseball is uh, – as a whole. And that's what I look forward to. And I told him on the zoom calls and stuff, like, look, I'm excited about learning from you because you've been around this game a lot longer than everybody else. You've been around this game. You've got the old school mentality and you're mixing it with the, with the new age analytical side of things. And I think that's what baseball needs is that mixture of the old school and the new school and bring it in. And rather than just going from old to new, bringing a mix of it with Ethan Katz, the pitching coach, he's uh, he's more of a new age guy with the analytical side of things. Um, yeah. I'm excited about learning from both of those guys and bringing, uh, bring an opportunity to kind of go to Chicago and hopefully win a ring and, and move forward that way. But um, my, my relationship with LaRusta has been great. We've been texting uh, back and forth and I can't wait to actually get a chance to meet him and see him in, uh, in a more professional role as being a manager. You, you make such a good point about not knowing somebody until you know them. And last week we had Chris Colabello on a guy that, you know, you're, you're good buddies with. And I mean, Chris has, has fought so hard to gain back his reputation and those of us who know him on a personal level know the character he is, know that everything that he's been accused of is such total BS because it goes against everything that he believes in. As a friend, how hard is it for you to see? Like, even when we post it on social media that he's coming on, you know, you get people, oh, he's a, oh, once a cheater, always oh, a cheater, and this and that. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's so frustrating because I, I really love the guy as a human being, and it really hurts me to see people not take this guy's word for it. Yeah, I mean, not only like I know I've known Chris since uh, what 2000 and I think 13, I think it was in when Minnesota we were both with uh, with Minnesota. Yeah. So I've known him for years with that. Like I played in AAA with him, I played in the big leagues with him with the Twins and that, and then with the Blue Jays and and like there was nothing going on ever. Like he was like guy who was very tentative. Like you go to uh, like a um, like a juice shake, like a shake place and he. Everyone else is getting protein added in, and he's like, no, I don't know where that protein is. It's like, I, I have no idea what it is. I'm not going to do it. Like, just give me a juice or something along those lines. So he's always been very, very stressful about, like, stressed on those certain things about doing it. So this is why, like, it's so hard to believe that he maliciously went out and did anything along these lines. Um, there's been cases where it's like this: certain guys are just positive through, like, complete knowing, like, not knowing what's going into their body or anything like that. And I just... Even him, he's so, he's so particular, particular about certain things that go on. I mean, he's one of those guys. We still talk probably once a month during the regular during the season, during the off season. We still keep in touch regularly. Like I was at his wedding. I mean, it's he's a, just a really good person, and it's unfortunate that no matter what happens, every time his name's brought up, it's gets trashed for the media, and it's just not necessarily media people anymore. It's just the people on social media that decide to think that they've never made a mistake in their lives, they've never done anything wrong. And when they when someone could very well be falsely accused of whatever he's what, what Chris was uh, accused of, um, 
that they just take it blindly. They don't know the guy. They don't know what the struggles he's been through. They don't know how much it weighs on him every single day about trying to get his name cleared because there's a lot of reasoning that that should be cleared. And hopefully that that'll come up at some point um, and he can get his name cleared and everyone can just back off and, and figure it out. But as you said, with the straight, with the bullying campaign stuff, what am I going to do? This is a reason why no matter what happens, all the positive spin you get, there's always going to be those people that are the, upset with their own lives or they just feel the need to put someone else down to make themselves better it's just that's not the way of doing things make you just lift everybody up is going to bring everybody up with you it's not kind of putting someone on a pedestal and then all of a sudden they're going to stamp on your face to push up that next level it's making sure that everybody just treat people with respect and they'll treat you back with respect and that's the biggest thing you know, I was thinking about it today because as Barry mentioned, you know, we're we're doing some promo for the for the episode for this weekend, and right away the trolls start. You know, just a few of them. But um, what do you think goes through someone's head? Like, why does it? Why is it that someone would feel good? Uh, what I did was I directed them towards an article in I believe it was the Washington Post from the summer about the twenty first player that has tested positive for this arcane nineteen eighty steroid. And, and, you know, anything that you read about it, any interview that you read with anybody that has known Cole Labello, um, you're looking at it going, wow, this guy definitely didn't do this. Why do you think it is, though, that those people really persist and, and the trolls still, like, it feels good to them, maybe? To, like to getting into the mind of a bully here, right? Is that what you're kind of going at? Well, yeah. Like, what, what, what is it that turns a person into like what i wouldn't feel good about throwing slag out about someone that i knew an awful lot about but these are people doing it about a situation they obviously haven't even read about in five years six years what do you think like what makes someone like i'm curious your perspective as a major leaguer who's i'm sure been on the the other side of trolls like this a lot what do you think makes someone do that you look at it from a point of view it's like they all these people would never say anything they would never come out of their mind. They'd never come they even cross their minds about doing this face to face. But for whatever reason, as soon as you get behind a keyboard, you feel like you feel like you're entitled to make everyone else around you feel bad. You're entitled to make sure that you put everybody down because it, it, it furthers your agenda or whatever whatever the reason is. If if you can't if you're not if you don't have the guts to say it face to face, you shouldn't get on a keyboard and decide to like post about it then or there either. It's just, it's, it's the coward's way out. It's the, it's obviously there's something going on it. And sometimes it's, they've got their own issues that they're just trying to make themselves feel better by feeling like they, they are better than a professional athlete or they're better than someone who they see on TV or they're better than someone like that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the time it's just, they don't ever think about repercussions. And when you don't think about repercussions, all you think about is like, I can say whatever I want. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to care. Everyone's going to be on my side. It's, this is uh it's unfortunate. Like it's 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 unfortunate the fact that this is something that crosses people's mind. Um, it, it, and it's the same way. Like this is what kids deal with in school. This is what kids deal with throughout their entire collegiate careers. And then they get into a certain place where all of a sudden they don't want to compete anymore. They don't want to be an athlete anymore because of the media spotlight or because of people trolling them because of maybe they had a bad game. So all of a sudden these guys who haven't picked up a ball in 50 years and they're completely out of shape think that it's great to pick on this kid. And it comes down to that. It's like a, at the end of the day, like you get all the, the, you put all the guys who made it to the big leagues together and they are still the top 1% of every single person who's ever picked up a baseball. It's not even like it, it you're picking on the top 1% for actually doing that job. It's just, it, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to wrap my head around because obviously I've dealt with certain people like I've dealt with like, and, and it, unfortunately it 
comes a lot more when the more you succeed. So before 2018, like nobody really knew who I was. You get a couple of them saying that I was the, the avid fans of the team saying I was terrible and all that. But once you actually start succeeding, if you have a bad game, it's an absolute onslaught of just abuse that you get. And it's, it's unfortunate the fact of the more you succeed, there's the more people waiting for you to fail and waiting to jump on you as soon as you do. All right. We can't leave on a serious note, so we're going to leave on, on a little bit of a fun note. You okay with that? So you're now a member of the Chicago oh, you're, you're a member of the Chicago White Sox, so we need to know how much you know about the city you're going to be playing in. So it's time for a little Chicago trivia. You ready? Oh, jeez. Okay. So what, Liam Hendricks, is the loop in Chicago? You'll hear a lot uh, about uh, the, the loop. The loop is... Yeah, it was actually, they talked about the loop on Jeopardy the other night. Um, <laughs> big fan of Jeopardy. <laughs> so they didn't mention what the loop actually was, but I'm pretty sure it's a highway slash causeway area. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of on the right track. It's the downtown area of Chicago, which is circled around by the Transit Authority's elevated train tracks. So you'll see those trains going. Okay, around. so, so the, the elevated train tracks. So it's, it's not a highway specifically, but it's a mode of transport. Yes. Okay, next question. Chicago <laughs> has 2.7 million residents. 2.7 million, now two more, with you and Christy well, and the kitties. Uh, where does that rank in the largest cities of the United States? Well, I don't know where it ranks, but I found an interesting one. thing. I did uh, top I five. A trivia night the other night. I'll tell you it's top five. Top five? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like, we had a trivia night the other night, and it was uh, the city of Los Angeles has more than, has more uh, population higher than 41 other states, true or false. And it was actually true. The city of Los Angeles has a higher population than 41 different U.S. states. So, and Illinois was not above that. So, 2.7 sounds, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say, I mean, are you, are you saying it is in the top five? Yes. So, give me a number. Uh, I mean, so it's not L.A., it's not New York, it's not, uh, I think it was, I'd say four. Oh, you were close. You said New York, you said L.A., Chicago's third. Good. There you Good go. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the last... U.S. president from Chicago. You better not get this one wrong. I mean, it's Barack Obama. I've already asked for his jersey, assigned jersey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? What? Like, I, that's, that's something like, you know, we, we, that was one of the things we looked at uh, throughout this whole process. Celebrity fans from the cities that reached out. And number one is obviously for the White Sox is Barack Obama. Do you know, I learned from when I covered the, the Cubs World Series, how many big-time celebrities were Cubs fans. Like, Eddie, yeah. I met Eddie Vedder because of the White Sox. I met Bill Murray uh, because of the Cubs. Uh, there's just a ton of them that are, like, big Cubs fans. Uh, I don't know what yeah. celebrities call themselves White Sox fans, but we'll, get, we'll go on. So before, like, the original ballpark, the ballpark that the White Sox played in through the 70s and 80s, what was that called? Comiskey. Was that you, Tom, or was that you, Liam? That was not me, but I did know that. What was one? Of... I mean, that's that. Okay, that's an easy one. It's right. you, then it went to U.S. Cellular. Now it's guaranteed right. All right. What what neat little gimmicky thing did they have in the bleacher seats at Comiskey Park? And hang on, I pulled my headphones out. And I want to make sure I hear you give the right answer. What gimmick did they have for okay. fans? So in... there's. Well, I don't know about fans, but the fun trivia stuff. There's two different different colored seats in the stands. Okay. One is for the Jim Tomey uh, 2008 uh, playing game, 163 against the Twins. That's where his home run landed. There's another one, which is, I think it's Paul Konerko's Grand Slam in game. 
I want to say five of the world, the 05 world series. These are all interesting facts. So those Liam. little gimmicky areas. Yeah. Um, These are all interesting and they're, they're all true, but this is not where I was going. They had in the outfield, so the gimmicky thing. I mean, they, yes, there was, they've got a bull, They've got a bar right next to the visitor's bullpen. Okay. Stop. You're not close. <laughs> <laughs> they had a shower in the bleacher seats. You had like a rope and you'd pull down the thing and you would get instantly showered for those hot days sitting out in the bleachers. Look it up. I do not BS, Liam Hendricks. There is a fun fact. Okay, this has... I, a... I need to figure out if it's still there, because that may be something to use. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this one has nothing to do with Chicago, but what is the history of this? The snow goggles? Yes. Uh, I mean, the history... I of mean, this particular the, pair. The history behind it is obviously uh, one glare... Oh, this particular this pair. Particular pair. pair. you wore in 2015 while getting dunked. That's right. And you know what? someone who I'm not going to name. These still smell of champagne. They still smell of champagne. And it was Mark Burley. They probably smell a little bit like mold right now, too. <laughs> mold yeah, no. and mildew a little bit. It's terrible. That's been the one good thing about the lockdown is I haven't had to go over and record in his basement because the whole basement stinks of those goggles. Yeah, they yeah do. mine's in the garage, and it's, I think it's it's starting to smoke out the garage a little bit. Like I've got the hat still, I've got my uh, Blue Jays robe that's in the in my closet, um, which Marco Estrada, when he came over to the A's, bought everybody the A's robes as well. So that's so cool. Um, I, I need to get once I get to Chicago, I need to figure out if there's a there's a way for me to in, in, integrate those robes into the Chicago White Sox kind of clubhouse and and making sure that the the washer and dryers are up to scrub up to up to snuff with that <laughs> stuff because. I think it broke a couple of them in Oakland. <laughs> you know, that that year was so memorable, man. And like, you know, we were just talking to to Chris about this on the, on the last show and uh, you know, he talked about the the real moving uh pre-game rah-rah meeting held by Mutanori Kawasaki. And uh my god, you know, as we were all living through it and I lived through it in a different way than you guys did. But as you're living through it, you're just living through it. When you, when you take a step back, and it's now been, you know, five years, holy crap, you know, or six, really, since 2015, you look back and, six, you, yeah. and, and you look back and you go, holy crap, what an amazing time that was. Yeah, I mean, it, I still, I was talking about it the other day with somebody, and it was like, we were a 500 team at the deadline. Yeah. Like, we were a team that you would walk into that clubhouse, you'd think we'd never lost a game, but we were a 500 team. Like, yeah. we were... In the middle of the pack, we, we saw a chance that we could take advantage of the, of the division. And, I mean, hats off to Alex Anthopoulos in the front office of going out and bringing in Tulowitzki and Latroy Hawkins and Mark Lowe and David Price and bringing in these pieces because that was the that was the catalyst right there. Those guys, as soon as they came to the clubhouse, didn't matter what was going on. I think after those trades, our record was something ridiculous. It were like a 700, 750% winning percentage after that. So it was just absurd, like what a kind of tear we went on uh, after that kind of uh, after those trades happened, and that's that's such a big deal to the guys in the clubhouse. And sometimes the front office guys just they don't quite grasp that. But you bring in a couple big name guys in the middle of a season, all of a sudden you're like, okay, we knew we could do it, but now the front office knows we can do it, and let's go let's go ahead and do this. And that's the biggest thing you can get those, even if you don't necessarily. The, the, the guy doesn't necessarily push the needle. It's bringing in certain types of guys that are going to kind of let the rest of the guys know the front office is on board. We're going to win this. And they're, they're fully behind us no matter what happens. I mean, you, you left the Jays. They, they sent you to Kansas city briefly for, uh, for Danny Valencia. And then you get yourself back onto the Toronto blue Jays roster, get, get traded back there. 
what do you remember about that day? Was that like the most like did you was it surreal? Were you were you kind of questioning it going seriously? I'm going back. Well, I, I, I know Danny very well. I came I was with him with the twins. Our wives are actually really, really close. They keep in they talk almost every single day. And I still remember Danny is like, okay, yeah, you've been uh, you've been traded to the Blue Jays for Liam Hendricks. And he goes, and who else? That was one of the things he remembered because it was, it was me and Eric Kratz. And uh, so then, yeah, we I went to Kansas City, and that was such a fantastic experience for me. Obviously, getting a chance to go up into the big leagues in September, then getting put into the bullpen. But that was probably a a very good thing for me because I was out there with. Jason Fraser, an ex-Blue Jay, mm-hmm. Scott Downs, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, Kelvin Herrera, uh, all these guys that I was able to glean information from and, and try and really kind of figure out the bullpen role. And yeah, I got to, I was in the Dominican when I got uh, designated by the Royals. It was the day before the World Series. And then the day after the World Series, I found out that I was claimed and traded for by the Blue Jays for Santiago Nessie. And so that was uh, it was an exciting period because I, I until that point I was actually contemplating Korea, I was contemplating going to Japan, contemplating all these other these other venues because you know I had no idea what was going to what was going to happen. My numbers weren't great. I showed some flashes, but um, not enough for a team to really take advantage of it. But the biggest thing with uh, going back to the Blue Jays in 2015 was the transparency that the front office and the management gave me. When I went there, I got to spring training. I wasn't sure what my role was going to be. They called me to the office and said, "Look." You're not making the team as a starter. You're going to make it out of the bullpen. Do, are you okay with this? I'm like, I just want to make the team. Whatever you tell me, I'm going to do. And I appreciate them coming to me early and being like, hey, look, we don't want to set you up to be like, okay, you're in the – like it's a demotion or anything like that. We see a viable option for you in the bullpen. And this is what we're going to do. And um, luckily enough, I was able to kind of get that role and, and take it and run with it. And Bob's your uncle. Here we are. But uh, yeah, it was um, it was definitely a different time period. It was like when the Jays reached out this time. I'm like, oh, it's the third time's the charm. We're going to go back again and <laughs> and try and finish off this chance to try and get a ring. But uh, didn't quite come to fruition. But uh, no, the Blue Jays will always hold a special place in both my and Christie's hearts of uh, being so accepting. Uh, then seeing Montreal beat Toronto uh, in the first game of the se- first game of the season that year. Uh, Give it up, man. Nice. I've got my, Give it up. I got my hat. Hey, I mean. <laughs> Montreal is coming out to play. Do you see the game, uh, the the couple games against Vancouver and, uh, and Edmonton? Where they're doing it right right now. Yeah, I don't hate. I don't hate them. <laughs> I'll tell you. That. Okay, uh, before we go, I'm going to share a stupid dad joke for you. Okay, but in which you can tell your teammates and they'll laugh their asses off. But before that, can you just show our our viewers the incredible uh, man bun that you're now sporting? Because I saw that as you tilted your head. Oh. Is this approved? Oh yeah, it's up there. Is this been approved by Christie? Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Christy's actually the hairdresser that we've oh. been using. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I've had my when the pandemic hit, we uh, I was just growing my hair out, and then I had a little bit of it last year, and it kind of just stuck around. And yeah, she's been uh, she's been into my hairdresser, and because we just give her the clippers, and she goes up to a certain point, we've kind of let everything else grow out. So it's uh, it's up there, but uh, I, I wear a hat for a living. So at the end That's of the true. day, if I don't. No one has to see it. So, <laughs> so many ball players go bald early. I think there's something about the air not getting to your heads. It could be that. Um, it could be the fact that we're just in the sun a lot, especially in Oakland. Yeah. Um, it could be the fact that we're just all egotistical. Uh, it could be that as well. It, it could be a whole a whole slew of things. I mean, it's maybe the leather on the baseballs is is bringing about male patent boldness. Who knows? <laughs> I remember the first time I saw a player who was bald. And I never, because you never know, because they wear the hats and they take their hat off. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, he's bald. And I think it may have been Cal Ripken was the first one. I went, oh, 
he's bald. <laughs> you know? But that's not my yeah, job. It, it's always fun when guys take their hat off. Cause like, if I, if I clean up on the sides, you'd never tell them. And I'd all of a sudden I take my hat off and you're like, Oh God, it looks like a raccoon died. <laughs> Are you ready? And Tom's already heard this stupid joke, but it's, it's cute. Okay. You ready for it? So oh, Liam, yeah. Liam, did you, did you hear that Donald Trump's not allowed anywhere near the white house anymore? It, yeah, I, it's strictly for Biden. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm sorry you had to hear that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> tough. I mean, but I mean, if you want to talk about it, it's true, though. Oh! oh! <laughs> With that yeah. said... We can, we can do this. <laughs> by the way, nobody does a better Liam Hendricks or Muninori or Jose Bautista impersonation than Chris Colabello. He must have been so much really? fun in that clubhouse. Yeah, CC was great. I mean, he used to sit with a uh, very cross leg. He sits exactly the same as his dad. Oh, Lou! So he sits the exact same as as old sweet Lou. Love Lou. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's. I still remember getting into his car. We're going to Toronto FC game, and it's Chris and I like get in the back seat, and he's got the it's the um, the TVs and the and the headrests in the back seat. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, True um, Pitch Perfect comes on. <laughs> he has the disc of Pitch Perfect playing in his car nonstop. <laughs> Oh, wait till he finds so, out. Yeah. I'm going to text him right now and ask him if oh, he's... Oh, he'll tell you. Like, I guarantee what he'll tell you. It's, it was the grading system. He went into... like If you're expecting this movie to be an 8 out of 10 and it's a 9 out of 10, that's only a plus 1. But if you go into it thinking it's going to be a 3 or a 4 and all of a sudden it's a 7 or an 8, that's a plus 4 or a plus 5. And all of a sudden, that's how he graded it. So Pitch Perfect was one of those movies where he wasn't expecting much and it blew him away. So it was it was very high on the, on the plus negative scale. So it was... Uh, that's how he's gonna. That's how he's gonna talk about it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> my man, this was so much fun. Uh, I appreciate you finally answering one of my seventeen texts over the last year. And uh, I'm, well, I figured I'd read a responder, so you just keep uh, you just keep going at it, and then you'd start enlisting Christy to try and talk back to me, which you end up doing. Yeah. and then I get in trouble for not answering. And well, yeah, <laughs> come on, seriously. I tell everybody you're a good guy. See, if we ever do, if we do this again, I'm gonna be go, I'm gonna be wearing the reverse retro hats jersey. Just for you. Okay. I can deal with it. I can deal with it. Listen, man, all the best in Chicago. Keep it going. Uh, keep doing all the wonderful things you're doing off the field, too. I mean, you and Christy are, are such amazing people, uh, more than baseball. And here I said I wasn't going to get all serious and sappy again, but that's how I'm going to end it. But uh, uh, I, I've gotten to know so many ballplayers over my years. And uh, as Tom will allude to, I make sure that only the good human beings come on the show for the most part. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I mean, you say either really, really good guests or absolutely terrible guests that we trash afterwards. Right, right exactly. And Liam, you are one of. I mean, you can do either. You can do either for me, but like Barry, you know me. You know the fact that what I am here is what I am in the clubhouse. Yep. I don't change personality for the media. I don't change it for the public. I, I am who I am, and I'm going to embrace it as much as I can. And that's uh, that's part and parcel of the way that you need to live your life. If you start conforming to what everyone else, what you think everyone else wants, you just you're never going to be happy. I promise not to tell Colabello that I got this information from you, okay? About Pitch Perfect. I don't care. He'll probably call me. Okay, as soon as you text him, he'll probably call me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, take care, man, and uh, stay well and have a great season, okay? All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks so much, Liam. All the best. And there is Liam Hendricks. And a reminder, we'll have the full video coming up with Liam Hendricks uh, midweek on Wednesday, hopefully. And if you are an OTP member, uh, OTP Insider, You'll have access to that. Your votes have been tabulated. Time now for Barry's fair or foul poll results. 
and the fair and foul poll for this week. Where do we think that Vladdy should be playing the majority of his time in 2021? We had some surprising results this week, Barry. Yes, very surprising. Very, very, very clear consensus, actually, which is something that we, we haven't been used to on our polls lately. It seems no matter what we sure. ask, we, we seem to be able to split it down the middle. But uh, we gave we gave everybody a choice of third base, first base, and DH. And out of a whole bunch of votes, about 1,000 votes, we've got an unbelievable consensus, 54% for first base. And now here's where the shocking thing comes in. Uh, because number two was DH at 30%. Yeah. Wow. And that means 84% of fans have given up on the dream for third base. I tell you what, Vladdy has not, and Vlad, Vladdy's going to get an opportunity. Yep. You wait yep. and see. Uh, he's put a lot of work into the offseason, and he's still their pride and joy, their possession, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Simeon is a one-year guy, so him moving everybody else around, I mean, let's wait and see how this plays out. That's all I have to say. Uh, big thank you to former Toronto Blue Jay and now Chicago White Sox. <laughs> Liam Hendricks. Next week, we're going to be joined by a new member of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, we're staying in the Windy City. For those who didn't already know mm -hmm. that. That's right. For those who didn't already know, Joe Biagini. And wait to hear him interacting with our listeners. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you know what, Tom? I would uh, you know, do one of my stupid little jokes here, like I normally do. But I think I, I, I have completely extricated any of the bad dad jokes uh, in our conversation with <laughs> so I, I would just say thank terrible. you, folks, for continuing to put up with me and enjoying Tom each and every week. And we ask uh, that you continue to do so. And we thank you so much for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.